Hey guys, uh, welcome back to the third episode of the Pastime Podcast. My name is Mark Cavaliza, and I'm one of you guys' hosts. My name is Elizabeth Beebe, and I'm another host. And in today's guest, we have our student teachers, Mr. Dudley and Mr. Grillo. So uh, can you guys introduce yourselves a little bit for like the listeners? Yeah, I can go. So my name is Mr. Dudley. Um, my full name is actually Nick Dudley. I, uh, I'm from Lakeport, California, which is a small town just a couple hours north of San Francisco. Um, I came to Cal Poly a few years ago to do my undergrad here in ag science, and I'm currently doing the ag, ag ed credential program and doing my student teaching here at Pioneer Valley. So pursuing a teaching credential and hoping to be an ag teacher full, full on very soon. I'm almost going to pretty much echo what Mr. Dudley said, except say that I'm from Paris, California. Um, down in SoCal, in Riverside County, I'm also a student at Cal Poly, where I also graduated with a degree in ag science. And I'm also doing uh, the credential program, working to become a high school ag teacher and hopefully becoming full time soon. Sounds cool. Okay, so one of the questions that popped up on Instagram and a lot of kids want to know is why did you guys decide to go into the ag field and especially to become like an ag teacher? I can start. Um, so I kind of probably like a lot of us grew up in a pretty ag heavy environment. I grew up, um, my dad worked in a pear, like a cold storage facility. So I grew up a lot around a lot of pear orchards, a lot of walnut orchards and some wine grapes too. So I was just like kind of immersed in it from a very young age. And then as I like, you know, started getting my first jobs and stuff, I worked, you know, with the pear growers. Um, I worked with some walnut growers too, just, you know, first jobs out of high school and stuff. And then I was like, okay, like this would be kind of cool to do as a major. I didn't really know what I wanted to do like as a career. So I'm like, oh, I'll just do ag science. You know, that's broad. I had no idea that ag science even had a pathway to have a, you know, a teaching credential pathway. But I mean, I love ag. I love the idea that, you know, you can take like, you know, a big plot of land or something, and just produce a ton of food from it and feed a whole community. And I love, you know, the thought and the technology that goes into it to produce the food for people. Yeah, um, now thinking back, I was in uh, an ag and FFA as well as high school as like YouTube. Um, I really enjoyed it. I did some competitions. I've been an officer at one point. So I really enjoyed that experience. And um, I always knew that I was passionate about working with uh, students, more specifically high school students, even from a young age as a high school student. I know that sounds weird, but I thought uh, my goal was to really help high school students overall. Um, I initially went into Cal Poly with the idea that I wanted to do teaching for sure, 100% sure. Um, but then I kept changing back and forth. I started working in the industry a little bit more because where I grew up, it wasn't really uh, an area where there was a lot of ag. So I got exposed to a whole bunch of different parts of the industry. I worked in different areas such as like Purina. I worked for Wonderful Orchards and that just kind of it um, helped me gather the idea that I really wanted to work with ag because I like how things, I like how know, knowing how things work, how processes work, and also that hands-on learning. So being able to apply both my passion for education and my interest of hands-on learning, I think ag teaching was the way to go. So kind of just going off of um, 
what you guys both said. Um, why did you guys choose to go to the college that you went to, which I believe is Cal Poly for both of you? Yeah, so I, I remember when I was a junior, I think in high school, me and my friends did like a big road trip down California with my friend's mom. Um, and we just like toured a bunch of colleges. Basically, we went saw like UC Berkeley, UC Davis, and we just went and saw all of these colleges. And I remember coming to Cal Poly and I'd seen, you know, like five colleges before it. And I just seeing it, I was like, okay, this is a really cool place. Like it's small, which I like, I'm from a small town. So San Luis Obispo is actually big for me, but for a lot of people, it's pretty small, but I like it. It's a perfect size for me. It's just a little bigger, tons of things to do outdoors and stuff. And obviously there's the, the huge ag field there. And yeah, I just, there's not a lot of options too, when you do want to go into ag, you know, it's like, you can kind of look towards UC Davis, Cal Poly, there's other schools, you know, like there's Cal Poly Pomona and stuff, but kind of the glaring ones are UC Davis and Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. So that kind of sealed the deal for me. I knew it was either going to be one of those and Cal Poly is actually a little bit more affordable than UC Davis, um, just based off tuition and stuff. So that was a factor for me, but yeah, I'm really glad I went here because it's just been awesome. Uh, for me, one thing is I for sure like the area. I like the beach. Um, back home, I live very inland. It's very dry and hot over there. So um, getting out of that type of climate, that was great. But also, um, like I mentioned, I was in FFA too. And then I remember one year I went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo for the state finals contest. And I really enjoyed it too. And it was like my first exposure to like one of the college campuses. Reason being like, I'm also a first generation college graduate. So I didn't really get enough experiences to really go out and about to look at colleges. And I just kind of fell in love with the idea of doing ag at Cal Poly. Um, I ended up loving it. And also I had the opportunity to get out of my bubble. I was a bit uncomfortable leaving home, but I think that's what made me want to do it a little bit more uh, to leave the area and experience new things. And it's also not too far in comparison to like Chico State where it would have been the nine hour drive versus a four hour drive. So that's another factor that I considered when uh, going to Cal Poly. So Korea, you bring up that you were in FFA. I mean, can you talk a little bit more about that experience? Uh, sure. Uh, what exactly do you want to know from that experience? I mean, like, what did, what did, like, what did you do? Like, I mean, just like, what did you enjoy about FFA? Like, why'd you get into it? And then Mr. Dudley, don't worry, I have a follow-up question for you too. Um. I think I just really enjoy the fact that I got a little bit outside of my bubble. My bubble. Um, I was really shy. I'm still am shy. Uh, people don't believe me when I say I'm an introvert. I'm 100% an introvert. Uh, I think the reason I'm able to speak in front of people and speak in front of my students when I'm teaching is because of that FFA, because I practice through public speaking. speaking. And I just really think that FFA has shown me different parts, not only just like in the state, but in the country, you know, and then I think I'm really grateful that I was able to learn new stuff, uh, especially the hands-on learning. I really enjoy the hands-on learning because as a visual learner, I really gained out of it. I also met a lot of people. A lot of people were very supportive and motivational. Um, like I said, I did contest and I did uh, officer positions. So I definitely felt like I went the full nine yards and then uh, and just wanted to continue it by becoming a teacher. 
That sounds really cool. And then, uh, Mr. Dudley, for you, you like uh, you didn't have that FFA experience, but when you went into like when you knew that you wanted to become like an ag educator, like you knew that FFA was going to be like a part of it, right? I had no idea, quite honestly. Um, so yeah, I didn't have an FFA program at my high school, or like I remember hearing about things like 4-H in middle school and stuff, but even that I was like completely detached from. But like when I was in high school, I, I knew I wanted to go into the ag industry, basically. And my dad had always told me like, oh, like get a teaching credential. It's just like kind of a good plan B, you know, of like, if you don't want to go into industry. So I was like, okay, like I'll consider that. And I actually, so when I first came to Cal Poly, I spent like a quarter and a half actually, not in ag science as a major. I, I was in ag systems management, which is basically the same thing. You take the same classes, except you're not on a, a teaching pathway and there's no option for one. And then one of our professors, well, our professors today came in, Dr. Swan, who's now the department head of the Ag Ed department at Cal Poly. He came into one of my classes and gave this big speech. Oh, like, you know, we need more ag teachers. And he had a whole presentation, everything. He's like, look, it's, it's awesome. You get to work with kids. You get to teach them how to do th hands-on things. And that really appealed to me. So I went and talked to him after. I was like, hey, like, this sounds pretty interesting. And that's when I kind of got on board with it. But even at that point, you know, like he just gave like a 15 minute presentation on why we should teach ag. So I didn't know about like FFA or anything. So I'm still learning a lot about it. It's like a whole nother language, you know, like I'm getting a lot better at it. But a couple of years ago, just like hearing things like, oh, CDEs, LDEs, BIG, like there's all these acronyms and things and competitions I didn't know existed, you know, all the judging and speaking competitions. But it's getting easier and it's, it's cool to kind of just be immersed into it. One thing I wanted to say really quick is um, like Nick, he, he's doing it and he didn't do ag or FFA in high school. He was surrounded by ag. And then we have around three other students in our cohort who are students teaching right now. And they're on the same boat. They don't have any ag or FFA experience, but they're doing it and they're doing a great job of it. So I think, um, Nick, I mean, Mr. Dudley is a great example of showing that you are, if you have the passion to be able to work with students and have the goal of helping students succeed, definitely teaching is a great uh, opportunity and career for you. Would you say it's been difficult to adjust? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but has it been difficult to adjust to um, kind of living out your high school FFA life as a teacher? think that's for you angel <laughs> well for mr dudley um you never got the ffa experience so has uh -huh. being an ffa member during this time has it been hard to adjust yeah i mean because like this is this experience i've always like looked forward to it because this is like where i knew 90 percent of the learning was going to happen like we've had classes and stuff obviously in our undergrad that were like oh you know you're going to have an ffa program when you're a teacher and here are some of the things you're going to do but you know the learn by doing aspect of cal poly for this program doesn't really come in once you do until you do your student teaching and you're actually with the students and you're doing these things so yeah with everything kind of like being virtual and stuff now it's it's been a little different than what I expected and it's been hard to adjust to but I mean it's still cool I, I love like getting to learn about it and you know whatever format we're in it's awesome to be able to participate in it and work with you guys and you know you guys everyone in this program doesn't let let them like 
you know, hinder anything or get them down. We're all here to just do what we have to do. I mean, for, uh, as a, as you guys, I know you guys teach classes, I'm pretty sure, right? You guys will take over. I mean, is it hard for you? Has it been hard for you guys to kind of like connect to the students? Because I know like that's one of the biggest things that teachers deal with is like having that interaction with students. So for you guys, has it been kind of difficult, like making like these kids talk and getting them out of their comfort zones? Uh, I guess I'll go first then. Uh, yeah, 100% could say that online virtual learning is not the, the best type of environment to get to know your students, especially being a first time teacher, student teacher. Uh, definitely we would want all of you guys in the classroom. There's a lot you can tell by a student's body language. And that's what I feel like we could use. But again, I think that we are also trying to put a little bit more energy in trying to making the class uh, the class environment a little bit more fun, a little bit more engaged, especially right now because they need it with online learning. Um, I 100% think I feel like I'm doing that, but I also 100% think I'm dra draining energy for using to, to try to get them engaged. Like I mentioned, I'm an introvert um, and speaking in front of people right now, it's like, it's exhausting. So like, I'll be all pumped up during a Zoom meeting and in the Zoom class, but as soon as, that meeting ends, my face goes, whoa, like I just die and I just want to lay down for two hours, you know. Um, but definitely, um, I feel like we've also been kind of preparing for this to be online. Sadly, that's the case. Unfortunately, that's the case. But um, I think we have been doing a good job of trying to adapt to the online learning environment. And hopefully we can soon adapt to in-person environment uh, if everything works out. Yeah, going off what Angel said, like it is kind of draining. Like I, I try and bring like a lot of enthusiasm every day and most days are good, but there are just like some days where you're just sitting there for like an hour, just like, hey, let's go guys, you know, honestly, just like embarrassing yourself, trying to like hold their attention, doing like all these ridiculous things. And like, honestly, I'm at the point where I'm just like, I don't care what any of you think anymore. <laughs> like, I'm just going to go out there and do my best to like keep you know, if I can only keep some of your attention, that's a win, honestly. And it's, it's all about just like fighting for engagement. I mean, I feel like it's almost like being an entertainer now and not a teacher, just like keeping that attention is so hard. But yeah, there's some tough days, but it's, it's getting easier every day for sure. And like Angel said, I think we're all excited to go back to in person soon, though. But, you know, it, it's going fine. <laughs> Um, just to like talk about that more, um, do you think it's going to be easier once we're in person? Because, um, with this being your year of just strictly online, is it going to be difficult to adjust to having students in the classroom or is it going to be so much better than Zoom, just off the table, thousand times better? 100% think it's going to be better having everybody in class. I think it's going to be even easier. I've talked to a few of my teacher friends and they said, basically, because I was having a hard time adjusting, they basically told me, honestly, Mr. Carrillo, if you can do this right now online, you're going to definitely be able to do it in person. What's going to be a little bit difficult is that when half the class is online and half the class is in person, then 
that's still something we're learning. And then when that comes up, we can talk about a little bit more about that. But 100% think that it would be better once we're in person. Yeah, completely agree with Angel. I think all of us are ready to just get back in person and be able to do like a lot of what FFA is about, where you're just practicing these very like physical, technical skills and working just together in person, no matter what it is, even if it is something that, you know, kind of can be done easily online. Like we just like we, much of what we do is interpersonal as teachers and building these relationships and stuff. And yeah, I'm excited for it to get back. I mean, obviously like people have brought up just from this whole pandemic that, you know, there are some things that are better. Like it is kind of, it's convenient to work from home. Like there's, there's no denying that, but the, the costs of this virtual learning environment for me at least are like, you know, they're just not worth those little extra conveniences at all. And I am super ready to go in person. So I'm guessing like this and oh, go ahead, Mr. Grace. You look like you had something to say. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, I think um, adding to what Mr. Dudley said, like ag teachers are also very different to teachers in other subjects. I think people don't really think about that. And one thing that, remind me that reminded me that of is uh, we have our classes, me and Mr. Dudley here at Cal Poly Stone, we have classes with other student teachers in other subjects. And some of them want to meet for group projects right after school. Their after school is 3.30 p.m. Our after school is 6 p.m. And I feel like we kind of have that distance between us to really understand each other's perspective. So ag teachers would definitely benefit a lot from in-person classes soon. I mean, going off that, I mean, this, I'm guessing that this makes you guys more excited to be in person and having like, you know, becoming like a full ag teacher. Because I'm pretty sure you guys didn't expect your your one year of student teaching to be online and kind of like you know it's kind of a dud but like does this make you guys more excited to like know like your first year of teaching is hopefully we're going to be back in person no mark i completely predicted the pandemic now i mean uh i'm i'm right i'm i want to have you know a lot of people have brought up like oh what's like even the point of going in person if it's only going to be like for literally like four or five weeks six weeks whatever it is I'm ready for it. I want, if, if it was one week, I would want it. And even just like the little opportunities we've had where we've had like pods of students on campus for, you know, things that were permitted to happen on campus. Those have been some of the most important experiences of my student teaching personally. And it's like, for me, it's always like a little glimpse of like, oh, this is actually what it's going to be like one day. This is awesome. And so I'm ready for it. Yeah. And I, I want it. Yeah, adding on to what uh, Nick said is like, we're eager to have you in the class. I think recently uh, getting more involved with all of you and the officer team and the teams in general, having you guys after school working on us projects or at meetings. I think for me, at least, I think that really secured my reason for wanting to be a teacher. I think being online and like having this whole credential teaching program online has really gotten me doubting sometimes my decision on my career. But ever since uh, that first FFA awards banquet drive through meeting, I think that really reassured me that, yeah, I'm doing this for a reason. And I just remembered why I'm doing it. So I think those opportunities, those experiences are really solidifying why I want to be a teacher again. So we're just going to ask a cute little question right now. If you were any type of ice cream, what kind of ice cream would you be and why? 
I would be, I don't know. So my favorite flavor of ice cream is motor oil from Doc Bernstein's. I don't know, I guess I'd be that just cause like I'm gross and filthy <laughs> and mechanical. I love techno, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I'll go with that. <laughs> um, I guess, I mean, my favorite ice cream, which I guess can tie into my personality, is Tillamook's mint chip chocolate ice cream. Very good. Some people think it tastes like toothpaste. I think it just tastes like clean chocolate. Um, so if I were to describe that with my personality, I think I got the, the chunky chocolate chips in me, and then I got the clean mint getting the job done. What about you, BB and Mark? What flavors would you be? Um, what is wait, repeat that? Yeah, I want to know what your flavors are too. Oh, okay. Um, I think I'd be strawberry because I'm always like bright red. It's a problem for me. So strawberry ice cream just kind of fits. Yeah, honestly, I think I'm like vanilla because I'm kind of basic, but I think I'm, I can be chocolate too because I can be pretty sweet. So I think one of those two, or maybe a combination of both, I don't know, like chocolate, vanilla. So I think those are, I think those are the two ice cream flavors for me. And speaking of ice cream, Mr. Carrillo, so you said you came from Paris, right? Paris, California. Yep, that's true. Is that, so that's a very hot place, right? Yep. Oh, see, I'm tying this in. Perfect. So did you eat a lot of ice cream when you lived in Paris, California? I eat, I eat a lot of ice cream in slow California, Mark. I eat uh, probably half a pint a week for sure. Um, oh. I think if I if there was something I can't, couldn't give up, it'd be that and then carne asada fries for sure. Um, sorry, this was supposed to be my swag, segue question. That was kind of bad. But um, how is that transition going from like living in like Paris, California to like slow California? There, that was supposed to be my transition question. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you. All right. Let's talk about geography now. Um, I really, I really think it's very different because um, for sure, I feel like even you know that Santa Maria is very different from SLO as well. Um, I kind of felt the same way about Paris and SLO. Um, when I when just to give you an example or to give you a better idea, when I'm in Santa Maria, it feels like I'm more back at home than I am in SLO. If I'm gonna be honest, I feel more of like the family, the more of the type of businesses I see in my home. And the uh, only thing is that Santa Maria is not as hot. So that's the biggest thing. And Mr. Dudley, can, I, can you repeat where you came from again? I'm from Lakeport, California, which is a town you will never go to, I promise, Mark. The is only like reason you ever go th through my hometown is if basically you're on interstate five and you're trying to get to the coast like it's right in between highway 101 and interstate five like you, you don't go there unless you are like going there it's not the type of place you drive through but yeah it's very rural um and kind of similar to what angel said like when i'm in santa maria i do feel like feel like i'm in a place that's like more similar to my hometown than san luis obispo where i live right now but yeah. I oh, wait. So what was the question exactly? I'm sorry. Oh, you're good. Like, was that an easy transition, like coming from a place like, you know, no one visited to like going to like slow where like, this is like a city that's like very popular, especially like in our area. I would say no on it. Honestly, like, I mean, there was obviously things I was super excited about and slow is awesome, but I would say like my first couple of years of college, like I definitely struggled with a lot of things and 
like it there's definitely it's kind of common for people you know your first couple years of college are just like kind of finding yourself and outgrowing a lot of the problems you have as just like a young adult and kind of coming into your adulthood and I probably took a little longer than most to do that but now that like I kind of I feel like I have like made a more like complete transition now and I do really like it here and this is the like the central coast is the type of place I would not mind spending the rest of my life like this place is awesome can I you um, oh. oh yeah of course go ahead I was gonna say what do you feel like you enjoy about student teachers or what would you like for them to do what I like most about student teachers is they're like kind of like a couple years away from us. So they kind of like understand, you know, like they understand this really. And then like, um, like, what do you call it? Like, I know Mr. Dickinson, like sometimes when I'm talking to him and he like, he doesn't understand what I'm talking about because he's kind of old. So like, I feel like with student teachers, you can talk to them and they'll like understand like what's going on because we're kind of like in the same generation. And then I think, I think the biggest thing about student teachers is just, I think just the best thing about them is being relatable. Hi, Mr. Dickinson. Uh, I think, yeah, I think the best thing about student teachers is that since they're so young and like, it's so easy to relate to them and it's, it's super easy for you to build and like create at that connection, which is honestly like one of the best things you can do as a student. So I don't know if BB has anything else to add on. No, it's pretty much that it's, it's like having more teachers, but the teachers actually understand where we're coming from. And um, like Mr. Curio and I were talking about, he was a nomcom candidate and he was telling me about his experience and I know Mr. Dickinson if he had done that he would not be able to talk about his experience with that so it's kind of refreshing to hear from someone who just recently had gone through the, that process and just student teachers in general they're always very welcoming always very nice kind and just good people to have with us. Yeah, Mr. Dickinson is the worst. No, okay. <laughs> no, what I was going to say, though, Mark, is um, like, it's interesting that you asked that because it is easier to relate. But there's also a flip side to it where because what what was more of a fear that didn't really actualize, but I, I always kind of feared like, oh, like, how am I going to be like authoritative with people who are literally like four years younger than me? Like, that's just a weird dynamic. Like if I was in high school and, you know, a 21, 22 year old was talking to me, like he was big and above me, like I kind of have a bit of an anti-authority complex, but <laughs> like, if, if, you know, I, I was kind of getting that from a student teacher, I'd be like, like, what dude, like you're my age. Like, but that hasn't really actualized. And I do like, I don't think it's that much of a struggle, honestly, to have that authority. Um, and it's really easy to just like make it clear that like, hey, I can relate to you, but like, we're not friends. Like, I'm just like a person who's similar to you. But yeah. No, I mean, I can definitely agree. Like um, when I was a freshman, like Mr. Dickinson, like came in super young, like he just finished like his teaching credential and stuff like that. And I was like, damn, like this dude is kind of like, you know, like he like when I remember when he first played music, I was like, wow, this is the music I listen to. So for me, it was like, wow, like this guy, like he might like, you know, understand a little bit of what's going on, like in our generation. But I think um, that fear of like being authoritative, I think um, a lot of students don't really I think a lot of us like see a teacher and we respect them. Like, I think we all know where the line is of like, oh, like you can have fun and stuff like that. And then there comes the line where it's like, oh, like you got to listen to them, respect them. 
like I know with Mr. Dickinson, like, oh my God, like this guy, like he's not afraid to be like, hey, cut it out. But then like, you know, sometimes we'll be out there like, you know, dancing and stuff. And you're like, this guy's like the same age as us. So um, yeah. <laughs> this is probably a good time to say that Mr. Dickinson is listening to this conversation and we love you, Mr. Dickinson. <laughs> yeah, he just texted me like three times t- telling us that we're dead to him, but it's okay. Um, you're, you're the man, Mr. Dickinson. BB, you should unmute and let's see if Mr. Dickinson has anything to say. Mr. Dickinson, do you have anything to say? No. Heard it from him. Um, okay, so um, just kind of one of the final questions. Um, what advice would you give to students who are planning to go into the ag ed major? I know um, both of you said you felt some like nervousness or doubts at one point because it's such a difficult major to go in. So for students that might wanna go into this major or students that are in this major and feel like the nervousness and the doubt that you were feeling, what advice would you give to them? I mean, so there is like a lot of anxiety that you have going into any field, but so Ag teachers have what's called the CATA, which is the California Ag Teachers Association, which is just one of the organizations that it's basically a big network of ag teachers. Um, people say it and it's cheesy. They say like, oh, ag teachers are a family, but like, it is true. Like they, it is like just an immensely supportive profession and you always like have people to rely on. So one thing I heard from a professor once, like if like you're having a problem and you can't like kind of figure it out and you're not asking people like that's your own fault because there are always people who are willing to help you in this profession um so j- just like know that there will always be people who have your back yeah definitely um i think it also just depends on the person too and the situation of a person you know a uh, person can have different situations this different scenarios different issues different challenges whatever it may be um I had these issues myself too. I think we're interviewing right now for this podcast and we think, oh, Mr. Carrillo, Mr. Dudley have it together. We don't guys, we really don't have it together. We're learning as we're going. Um, I I uh, had uh, conversations with multiple people depending if I should go into Agate or not. And one thing I was taught, which I would tell you that last because I don't want to disengage you from the idea of going into ag ed first. First of all, it's okay to be nervous to go into ag ed. Like the purpose of it is to learn to be a teacher. You're learning how to be a teacher and you're learning how to work with people. One thing I would recommend in general, I have two actually, two recommendations, two pieces of advice. One thing in general is that you should never really compare yourself to anybody other than your, the person you were the day before. Um, you should only be measuring your progress and your progress alone. And you know what you need to do to become better. Second of all, it's okay to change your mind and then trying to get new experiences. Just know that that opportunity to go back into ag ed is always there. Uh, One thing now that I'm bringing up that conversation I was gonna talk about is I talked to my sister, I talked to her thinking about, well, is teaching really right for me? And she told me, Angel, honestly, you don't have to be a teacher the rest of your life, but you can, you know, you can always come back once you finish and you graduate. So it's kind of just that safety net. So I think people underestimate the idea of going into ag ed feeling like you have to stay there, um, which I'm not trying to unmotivate people from going to ag ed, but teaching's always going to be there. And then teaching's always going to be waiting for you if you ever want to come back. So I think people need to remember that.
I think a lot of what we're saying here is like true for any profession. Like you're going to be nervous in a lot of different fields going into them. Um, but also a lot of those fields are going to be there if you do want to change your mind. And I think like this question is very pertinent to people your age, because we all, when we're kind of at the end of high school, we think like, Oh, I got to like figure out what I'm going to do with my life. I got to choose a career. But then it's just like, you just like look at kind of obvious statistics. It's like most people end up changing careers like three to four times throughout their life. And that's just like most people. So you just need to like kind of recognize that. I don't know. It's just like, it's okay to not know the answers, I guess. And like where you end up is, is probably gonna be different than where you think you're gonna end up right now. And like, that's not a bad thing. You just also gotta recognize that you are capable and you have potential too. When I was at Cal Poly, I've met three, Cal, three dairy science majors who have never worked in a dairy or never owned a cow. And they said, you know what, I'm going for it because I enjoy the, the content. And then they finished, they graduated and they're working on some of the biggest producing dairy farms. So before we end this podcast, because I think you guys gave us some great answers, is there any questions that you guys would like to give us? Anything that you guys want to add on or you guys good for now? I think we are good. How do we listen to this? Oh, perfect plug. All right, guys, to the people listening to this, make sure to check out our podcast at Spotify.com. Type in Pastime Podcast from Pioneer Valley FFA. Or you can go to the YouTube and search up Pastime Podcast, and then all the episodes will be there. Uh, once again, thank you, Mr. Dudley and Mr. Carrillo, two of the best student teachers at Pioneer Valley right now. And thank you guys for listening to this podcast. Bye, guys. Bye, everyone. Oops. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for having us.